Hi there, welcome back to the Equipoise podcast, the place where once a week, in 10 minutes or less, we try to bring some balance to the discussion. We're really going to get into the nitty gritty today. We're going to talk about an issue that's been a pretty dividing issue since the early 19th century. That's right. I'm talking about the devil's drink, people. The beloved enemy, John Barleycorn. Alcohol. It's not going to be a quick discussion. I'm only going to release one episode this week. I might release more at a time as we go through this miniseries. Um, it's, it's titled Vino or Volstead. The Volstead Act, of course, is another name for the National Prohibition Act, which was enacted to carry out the 18th Amendment, which barred the manufacture and sale of alcoholic beverages. That didn't last long. Going into this, I'm aware that we as humans, and especially as Christians, often have very charged opinions on most topics. And this one is far from the exception. It's more like the rule. In fact, to quote Mark Knoll on the issue, here's what he says. Some evangelicals have made opinions on liquor more important for fellowship and cooperation than attitudes toward the person of Christ or the nature of salvation. This is particularly unfortunate since the Bible speaks clearly about Christ and salvation, but not about the question of total abstinence. So where's the balance? Obviously, we know what the two extremes are here, right? Total abstinence on one hand and drunkenness on the other. Now, right off the bat, I can't think of anyone really trying to justify the extreme of drunkenness. There's no Christian I know who argues for drunkenness. Some say that Luther did. But if you read his writings, he definitely did not. There is, however, a large uh, segment of Christians who are settled firmly on the position of complete abstinence. Now, I want to let you know I have no problem with people who are in uh, a complete abstinence position. Historically, I have been. I was raised in a denominational tradition like that, um, in a home like that. Uh, No issue at all with folks who don't drink at all. Um, my goal isn't try to persuade you of one thing or another. My goal is to bring some balance to the equation. So wherever you end up landing on this issue, whether you are total abstinence or whether you say, hey, I enjoy drinking, you know, quite a bit. Whatever you do, we want to we wanna arrive at that conclusion because of facts, truth, and logic, not emotion, ignorance, or stubbornness. I feel the exact same way about the uh, Bible translation issue. I think there's some pretty valid points on either side. But unfortunately, most of those valid points have been covered up by, you know, slander and emotion. It's really unfortunate. So I don't want the, the you know, uh, alcohol issue to be shrouded in such uh, goofiness, to say it nicely, too, you know? Anyway, this particular episode is going to be an introduction of sorts. I'm going to cover some basics, and then I'm going to try to wrap up with an outline. Um... And today we're really going to be kind of clinical. I actually already recorded this episode, but it was so boring. I was I, I just had to do it again. <laughs> um, it sounded like a, 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 a TED Talk or something. No, not even as engaging as a TED Talk. It was bad. I sounded like an extended version of the guy at the end of like antidepressant commercials, you know, side effects may include headaches, vomiting, diarrhea, coma, and death. You know what I mean? It's just, it was, it was awful. So I'm going to try to do this again, make it a little quicker, I guess, and, and see if we can just talk about it. I want to lead off by just talking about what alcohol is. And then from a biological standpoint, established, dangerous, safe, you know, et cetera, what's too much, et cetera, et cetera. Because from there, we'll be able to springboard onto a, a moral approach and a biblical approach, but we're going to at least cover the basics today. I hope that makes sense. So alcohol, what is it? 
Alcohol is the byproduct of yeast fermenting as it eats sugars, starches. Um, in fact, if you've ever nurtured a sourdough, you might have smelled an alcohol-like scent in between feedings. That's because the yeast, or leaven, as it eats the starches and the flour, off-gasses alcohol in its wake. In the same way, wine comes from the alcohol left over in the, uh, from the sugar in the grapes after the yeast has had its way with it. Same with beer from barley, hops, cider from apples, vodka from potatoes, beets, so on. There's several different categories of alcoholic beverages, ranging from barely alcoholic seltzers to high-proof liquors. But since this isn't a podcast about all the different kinds of alcohol, I'm going to spare you the details. Um, but it is kind of an interesting deep dive. And if you're interested in all the whys, wherefores, and history of some of these distillations, there's plenty of information on the internet, you know, on spirit. The etymology of the term spirits is really interesting. All right, time's getting away from me. I'm supposed to make this a little shorter, or at least squeeze all this in. Um, so let's chat about it really quick. Alcohol, however it's consumed, goes to the brain via the bloodstream. How much gets to the brain depends entirely upon one's blood alcohol concentration, which itself is affected by one's weight, gender, and how much food one has in one's stomach. Once it gets to the brain, this little chemical does its most popular work. At low doses, it acts as a psychoactive stimulant. It triggers the release of glutamate, which helps folks feel at ease while causing us to feel more talkative, animated, disinhibited, and even euphoric. Uh, it can also trigger the release of dopamine and serotonin. Um, in this way, it can be a, a pretty effective antidepressant at low doses. But at higher doses, it kind of has the opposite effect. It can act as a depressant particularly a sedative hypnotic drug. In this role, it mimics an inhibitory neurotransmitter in the brain called GABA. It depresses the central nervous system like any other sedative, causing drowsiness, poor coordination, poor concentration, foggy thinking, respiratory depression, or at very high doses, even coma and death. See, see, where, I, see where I sound like the guy at the end of the commercials? <laughs> There's also other effects of alcohol overdose, or its medical term, alcohol poisoning, or its old term and biblical term, drunkenness, right? Uh, these effects range from poor judgment to losing control of one's emotions to violent aggression. Uh, as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, no one I know in the Christian community and no medical doctors of which I'm aware support drunkenness to any degree. It is harmful short-term, long-term. So is alcohol in and of itself bad for you? Well, again, there's no question that the science backs up that drunkenness is terrible for your body, not just in the short term. Uh, you know, broken homes, uh, car accidents, things like that. Not only is there an immediate risk to alcohol poisoning, but there's long-term risk. Drinking too much over the long term has some serious deleterious effects on some organs of the body. And as we all know, a pregnant woman should never drink alcohol. Um, and because of the nature of alcohol with releasing serotonin and dopamine, I think there's a tendency to drink more searching for that next high. But because the law of diminishing returns is clear, um, we have to drink more each time to get the same dopamine and serotonin release. But because of the nature of alcohol, like I mentioned, we don't get more dopamine. It also acts as a depressant. So you can see where it's pretty complex and overdrinking can become a real problem. So it's clear that there's some serious dangers to alcohol consumption when it comes to overdose and poisoning, and much caution is needed. But that's, that's true for anything. Sugar, medicine, vitamins, even water and oxygen. Too much will kill you. Alcohol's not the exception from this. It's a poster child for this. But, but, but what about moderate, controlled enjoyment of alcohol? And again, we're not discussing the moral or biblical implications at this point. We're just talking about biological components here. Is it biologically safe? Well, it appears so. 
there's always revisions coming out here and there, but the general consensus is that there's a, a few glasses of wine or a few pints of beer a week is quite safe. And many argue that it's actually beneficial in more than one way. It's worth mentioning here, by the way, that health-wise, health-wise, alcohol is radically better for the body than a glass of Coca-Cola or a bowl of Lucky Charms in the long term. So if you're listening to this thinking that you're going to build a case for total abstinence based on the possible health risk alone, you're going to run into some serious consistency problems when you reach for that can of Sprite or slice of pizza. Because ounce for ounce, it takes a lot more alcohol to pose a long-term health problem than it does that big gulp or double quarter pounder with cheese. So that's something to consider. Okay, so that's that. Let me draw out the roadmap and then we'll sign off. Uh, today we covered the introduction. Uh, the next couple of uh, podcasts are going to be on the history of abstinence and a case for abstinence. There's some valid cases for abstinence, though, like I mentioned, I think most uh, valid cases are, are, are buried under some poor ones. Um, then the next couple of them, we're going to be talking about the history of alcohol. Uh, might surprise you. And then we're going to talk about the case for imbibing alcohol. That might take two episodes. I'm not sure. I'm going to try to do it in one. And then the part after that, we're going to be answering some objections. You know, well, didn't they water down the alcohol? Doesn't oinos mean grape juice and things like that? And then in part seven, we're going to try to wrap it up and also touch on some other vices and see if the similar principles that we discuss in these episodes would apply to other things and to what extent. So that's that. I hope you'll stay tuned. Please don't write me off and say, oh boy, he's going to advocate for alcohol. I'm not listening to this guy. Well, that's not balanced. I encourage us to be balanced. And I guess that's a pretty good segue to my tagline as I sign off. <laughs> Until next time. Stay balanced. <laughs>